And welcome, everybody, to episode 93 of the Regression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me today is my good friend and my co-host, Keegan Thompson. No Aiden today. Aiden is currently in Austin for Austin City Limits. And it's a shame because the Bears just won their first game of the season. Justin Fields had another game with four touchdown passes. And um, DJ Moore just had one of the more electric wide receiver fantasy games I've seen in a long time. So I would love to hear uh, how he's doing, but um, he is off the grid right now. But Keegan, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm definitely wishing that Aiden was here. Um, It's a bummer. He's in my hometown of Austin getting to enjoy um, 6th Street and ACL tomorrow. I know he'll run into some of my friends there, so I'm definitely jealous of him. But it would be great to hear his thoughts on the Chicago Bears, who somehow find a way to make every game interesting. There was a point in the game tonight where I was like, Howell Hive is alive and well. He was throwing dots left and right. I thought they were going to come back and make that a game. That Joey Sly missed field goal, I felt like sucked the air out of the commanders. And their slow start definitely plagued them, but that was a good game. It was like shitty in some ways, but there was a lot of points scored, and boy – DJ Moore, DJ Moore owners rejoice. I know we got DJ Moore and uh, Scott Fishbowl tonight, but what a good game for Justin Fields uh, doubters and the DJ Moore doubters for sure. Eight catches, two hundred and thirty yards, three touchdowns. That uh, that'll play. That'll play. That's twenty eight yards. He probably per should reception. have had a long touchdown play on that called out of bounds too. Oh wow, it was good. It's good to see Justin Fields rebound. Um. I almost aired it out as the milk was a bad choice. Turns out Justin Fields is A-okay. He looks fine. Uh, this offense is kind of doing exactly what we thought it would do, and um, it just took them just took them three weeks, right? That's that's really all it is. They should be <laughs> two and three. Um, I don't know how Vegas got away with putting Sam Howell as a, a six-point favorite on primetime. I, I really don't know how they were able to get away with that. But Sam Howell, 30-burger in a league I'm in. I spot-started him, so... Thank you, Sam Howell. We appreciate your service. And then, yeah, DJ Moore, Justin Fields, Cole Komet, <laughs> Logan Thomas. It was kind of random names. Not a lot of Jahan Dotson or Terry McLaurin. Um, not having the great ears for them. It's been weird. Very, very like evenly distributed offense, and we have not seen really any of these receivers go crazy yet. And Sam Howell has been a pretty damn good fantasy asset through so far. So it's it's been weird to see this commander's offense operate. But Fun night, love points. Always good to see that. I cannot believe Aiden's here, not here, but um, we'll, we'll get his opinion soon enough. Uh, he, he said the tank is off, the season is back on, and he said he's wearing his Justin Fields jersey Sunday uh, at Austin <laughs> City Limits. So that's that's what he's uh, told us here. On today's episode, we have our Week 5 preview. We're changing it up a bit today. Uh, Keegan, why don't you tell the listeners what we're up to? Yeah, so... Uh, Pivoting from you know previous week's content where we kind of pick three matchups that we like, um, we're actually going to cover some additional matchups, uh, especially since Aiden's out. So we're going to highlight six matchups of this weekend that we feel will be fantasy friendly, um, and we'll highlight some of the better fantasy performers of the weekend or what we anticipate to be some of the better fantasy performers of the weekend. We're going to avoid start and sit this weekend um, and just kind of focus on good matchups. Um, players who are 
do for regression, either positively or negatively. We'll go over some expected fantasy point production uh, from key players in the offenses of matchups that we're highlighting. But I'm excited. We're just going to get to talk about six really good NFL games, um, highlight some good plays, and try and drop some helpful fantasy nuggets for you guys this weekend. You know, start sits are often a crapshoot, and I'd rather just tell listeners, like, hey, this is the situation of the game that your fantasy player is headed into. This is what we've seen so far this year on his production. And here's maybe some things that we want to share with you that you can either take advantage of or use to avoid a bad start rather than tell you to um, start a player that is going to get you eight points in your fantasy lineup. <laughs> so I'm excited. I, I, it'll be a lot more fun. This feels like kind of last year, Sean, when we were first getting going, we were just chatting some football, chatting good yeah. matchups and talking about some good ball games. And we get to highlight more players with this format too. I have a plenty of start yep. and sit recommendations in each of the three matchups that I'm going to be covering. And I know Keegan does as well. And we appreciate your feedback. So if you have an opinion on which format you like and what you find valuable, leave a comment. We appreciate you. We're, we're, we're not anything without you, the listeners, the subscribers, the mean team. So we, we really appreciate that feedback. But before diving in, today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Fantasy drafts might be over, but you can still put your knowledge to the test and win cash prizes on Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy now has an exclusive offer for new customers. Not only will they double your deposit up to $100, they're offering a mystery pick'em special when you sign up using promo code RTM. So what you're going to do, you're going to listen to this episode, you're going to find some of your favorite players that we highlighted, you're going to go ahead, and you're going to throw them in your pick'em. Like, for example, when we talk about the Falcons, you're going to take B. John Robinson higher his rushing uh, rushing total. So we'll talk a little bit later when we dive into that specific matchup. Our six favorite matchups, Keegan, we have pace numbers, we have Vegas totals, we have fantasy angles at every position that matters in each matchup, we have regression stats, we've got it all, right? Six matchups. Eventually, we're going to be covering every single one on the slate. But I will be starting off... <laughs> once our data team gets back to us with some of the research, right? Yeah, once the interns are, uh, are, are crunching the numbers here. I'm going to be starting this off today. And uh, it's, it's a very special one. We haven't highlighted this team yet in any of our matchup spotlights or matchup of the week. And this is probably the most anticipated matchup of week five. This is the game of the weekend. And that is none other than the San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys on primetime Sunday night football. So I'd say the big headliner in this matchup is the 49ers offense versus the Cowboys defense. Right, That is going to be the big headliner that people are going to be talking about. And I think the major question here that I have is, can Christian McCaffrey keep up his league-winning pace against a Cowboys defense that has surrendered a league-low 12 fantasy points per game to RBs in 2022? It's a strength-on-strength matchup. I'm very excited about it. I have some thoughts. Other headliners that are just as fascinating to me, can Brock Purdy keep his win streak alive? Uh, the, the amount of games he's won in a row where his elbow didn't explode, uh, yeah, that's still going. Uh, <laughs> what does this Dallas offense look like when they aren't blowing out teams? So they played in three blown out blowouts, and they also lost a random game to the Cardinals. So I'm, I'm excited to see this team in more of a neutral situation because it's been very hard to evaluate them. And uh, can Tony Pollard start to get it going? Because it's been a little slow. Uh, he, he's had volume, so he's been able to get us there. But 
we were very big on Tony P having a big, big season, and that necessarily hasn't hit yet. Those big plays we've been expecting from Tony Pollard, we haven't seen him yet. So Vegas has the 49ers favored by three and a half at home against these Dallas Cowboys, and they've set the point total at 45. Keegan, that sounds about right, right? Like three and a half point favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, especially with Trayvon Diggs out. Kind of feels just about right where the Niners are favored. These, And these are both good defenses, too right like we're considering both these good defenses so i feel like that 44 is just about the right spot like there could still be some points scored here but i i feel like they're kind of going to bring each other down uh and speaking of defense sean before we get into nitty-gritty this i just wanted to share this for the listeners because i know you tweeted this out uh, earlier and i think this is one of the craziest stats i've seen of the year so far that you posted this yeah nuts and i was going to highlight this too about dak but um the Dallas Cowboys defense is averaging seven more fantasy points per game than Dak Prescott, which is uh, pretty nuts. <laughs> Regression would indicate that those numbers will start to uh, normalize towards their means, but it, it's pretty wild. And that's what I mean by like, what does this Dallas offense look like in a normal game script? We just don't know. They have not been in a lot of neutral situations. Um, this game projects to be a slower pace matchup. If you want to pull up the pace for me, Keegan, um, these two teams have looked to establish the run through the first four weeks of the season. So Dallas currently ranks 29th in adjusted pace. San Francisco 31st. They play slower. And then in terms of pass rate, Dallas ranks 27th and the 49ers rank 29th. So again, higher-ish point total because I think there's a lot of explosive playmakers on the field and I'd say good offenses. But we have two good defenses in this one, slower-paced teams. I wouldn't be shocked if this game goes under 45. But it's a tough one to peg because, uh, you know, Debo might break a huge touchdown. C.D. Lamb, there might be a busted coverage. So it's, it's you know, Tony Pollard's a walking home run. So it's it's always a little, be a little cautious because explosive plays are always there when you're betting under with two explosive teams. So when the 49ers have the ball, I'm really fascinated to see how Kyle Shanahan attacks this Dallas defense in the past game. So Dan Quinn in the Dallas defense, they've leaned heavily on single high safety looks and man coverage to start the season. Uh, Brock Purdy has looked the best attacking two high zone looks, but he's still been pretty effective against single high safeties and man coverage in those specific pass attempts. He's often leaned heavily on Brandon Ayuk, and his second primary target is George Kittle. If I had to put my money on this, this kind of feels like a George Kittle game. Uh, He was the best pass catching option against Dallas in the playoffs last year. Uh, Some data, Dallas's defense has been pretty impeccable, but they've actually seeded a lot of missed tackles forced. George Kittle is is still just breaking tackles and he's a yak guy. So I could easily see George Kittle having a nice bounce back week after kind of a slow start to the season. Um, as for Debo, I'm curious to see if they lean on him in the run game. Uh, Rondell Moore hit a big play against the Dallas defense on the ground as a receiver in week three. I think Debo could do it as well. I have CMC, you can Kittle as top 12 plays this week. And I have Debo as a boomer bust flex option just, just because they, they run a lot of man coverage. Z- Debo's not necessarily really used as a zone beater. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Of course, you're probably starting your studs, right? Um, when the Cowboys have the ball, I think they'll look to get Tony Pollard going. I just think it's going to be really tough sledding against the 49ers defense that's been holding opposing teams to 66 rush yards per game, which is the third lowest in the league. I think where this game gets interesting is Dak Prescott versus the 49ers defense. 
The Cowboys have played in a lot of blowouts, like I've said. Dak's counting stats to start the season have been pretty underwhelming. Again, that tweet, the Cowboys defense is averaging eight more fantasy points per game than Dak Prescott, actually seven, but he's currently averaging 0.38 fantasy points per drop back. Why am I isolating that? Because, you know, he hasn't dropped back as much because they're always winning. So I just wanted to isolate how efficient he's been for each drop back. His 0.38 fantasy points per drop back that puts him slightly ahead of Andy Dalton, Sam Howell, and Mac Jones. Uh, one glimmer of hope here, Dak has been a super effective distributor against cover four and cover three looks, which would have been where the 49ers have conceded the most of their passing production this season. So the 49ers have given up a decent amount of passing yards in those cover three and cover four looks. Dak's been pretty effective attacking that. I'd be starting Pollard and hoping for some check down opportunities. But be aware of the tough matchup. I'm starting CD with confidence. His numbers against zone coverage are great, so I think he'll do well against the Niners. I'm leaving Brandon Cooks on the bench, and I'm leaving Michael Gallup on the bench, even though I'd rather play Michael Gallup over Brandon Cooks. But I'm getting a little frisky with Jake Ferguson. The 49ers are stout against tight ends, but Ferguson rolls great. He gets a ton of ends on targets. I feel pretty good about the Ferg, man. So I'm, I'm throwing him in the lineup. You know, interesting nugget here too, Keegan, that I really liked. The Cowboys have surrendered an explosive run on 6% of their faced opportunities, which is the sixth worst. And the 49ers have generated an explosive run on 6% of their rushing attempts, which is eighth best. So fire up CMC, baby. I think he's going to have another big week on primetime. I think this is going to be one of the best matchups of the weekend. A lot of interesting stuff that you pointed out. And Brock Purdy, one and a half touchdowns. I'm thinking the higher. The guy just I mean, loves hits, to throw two hits, touchdowns yeah, a game. He hits dude. it a lot. That's his like prop bet. Yeah, it's his prop. He loves it. Yeah, like his prop at one and a half feels like it's almost guaranteed he's just going to throw two touchdowns, 280 yards, and throw for like 68% completion rate or higher. So Cowboys defense has been super opportunistic. Uh, Brock Purdy's been middle of the pack in terms of turnover worthy plays. He's had four zero INTs. It kind of feels like if Purdy were to throw a pick, it would be in this one. So um, we we shall see. I think it'll be a great matchup. I I don't know if I'd go over under there on 45. Um, I'm taking the Niners three and a half, maybe. So no bias here. Keegan, tell us a little bit about your matchup that you're highlighting here first. Yeah, so I'm going to start with what I would imagine is going to be a very fun matchup here. Jaguars versus the Bills. In so London. Bills at Jaguars. You sound like you're in from London. London. <laughs> home yeah. game. In you London. Know, the Bills home game. That's um, brutal. They get lost a home game for this. Yeah, so I don't know why the Bills are technically at home because the Jaguars actually just stayed there. Um, one interesting little nugget. Not that I think it actually matters. I think it but it does. Sneaky, sneaky think it matters. Bills let down after a massive Miami game, but yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah, I, I like I had that as a sneaky fantasy nugget, like jet lag. This is the jet lag game. Um, it will be interesting to see uh, how that affects the matchup, but I won't put too much value in it. Yeah. Um, right now, just kind of like looking at the environment of the game, I mean, team totals here, like Bills 27 and a half, Jaguars 20. And a half. It's it's projected to be a pretty high scoring game. You know, total forty eight and a half right now um, on Action Network with the Jaguars plus three and a half. I I actually think you know that's probably right. I mean, it feels like giving the Bills a touchdown on the Jags seems. You know, if you told me that in the preseason, I don't know if I would believe it. But like the Jaguars have just totally underperformed yeah. this year, and the Bills ever since that Jets game have just been kind of lights out. I mean. 
they have looked like one of the better teams since that week one opener. And I feel like that was a good wake up call for the bills. And, oh, yeah. and Josh Allen has also just been really, really good. Um, looking at some of the pace numbers just for this matchup here, Jacksonville is 16th in adjusted pace, 11th in plays per game uh, right now, and also ninth in pass rate over expected. Um, and the bills on their side of things are 15th in plays per game, 30th in adjusted pace, eighth in pass rate over expected. So the bills are not playing uh, with super high pace, but they are passing the ball a ton. Hence why uh, Josh Allen has had so much success recently as a fancy quarterback and you know, 15th in place per game is definitely no slouch either. So that's, I think that's one of the best things about both Jacksonville and Buffalo is, you know, place per game matter if you're in fantasy, right? Oh, like yeah. you want your offense to be out there a ton. It gives your players more opportunities to score points. Um, Buffalo's walking into this week five matchup, uh, ranking top six in points per game and yards per game too. So they are on fire right now. Um, I'm going to pull up some of the underdog stuff as well too. I kind of go through some, fantasy players I wanted to highlight, but starting on some expected point stuff. And the reason that we want to highlight expected points numbers for fantasy players, it's, you know, for listeners who are maybe not familiar with expected points. I mean, it's, it's really the best way to kind of evaluate like what a player is expected to score. And I went off um, half PPR numbers for this research what they're expected to score in a perfect environment based off their usage, right? So if they were given just like a perfect workload, like what is the average score or like their expected score that they would get? Um, it takes so many factors into it. Um, it carries, you know, carry by down, distance, all that stuff. So it's a great metric to measure how these players are going to perform or have been performing. James Cook right now has been playing pretty well this season. I mean, his expected fantasy points is about 13.6. Um, and his actual fantasy points per game is about 13.2. So he's playing up to expectation right now. You can see his underdog kind of stats here. His usage is always like because he doesn't get red zone looks, right? I mean, he is like kind of been a between 20s back. But last week, 75% of the team snaps inside the 10-yard line for James Cook. And that's up from 26% across the first three weeks. And he handled three out of three of the team's carries inside the 10. I definitely like James Cook's usage going forward. And I think this love James Cook right here is the play this week. He's not getting a lot of opportunities to run the ball in. It almost feels like he needs like to hit a home run to get in there. But this is the week I think that we'll see some more encouraging James Cook usage kind of it. in the red zone. Would love to wake up on the other side of the ball. Wake up to James Cook yep, touchdowns. Yep. That would be great. I know, right? It would be, it would truly be a if London I miracle wake to wake to, up and have James Cook. If I wake up to, to Latavius Murray sipping tea, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a mess. I'm gonna be a wreck. And then on the other side of the rushing, um, it's it's Travis Etienne, right? Um, so he's right now currently expected fantasy points per game fourteen point four, and actual fit points per game it's twelve twelve point two. So we actually have some positive regression potential for Travis Etienne. He's getting so much usage and. Unfortunately for tra uh, Tank Bigsby bag holders, like it's just not the time. Travis Etienne is obviously the featured back in this offense. We tried to warn you, Etienne's a stud. He is absolutely a stud, and he may he has obviously been kind of like the mainstay of their rushing offense, and and he's the most important part of it, right? So another Travis Etienne week that I feel like it's safe to just like boot him up, and he looks good kind of for the taking here. 
What's interesting to me, though, in this game is the Jaguars pass catchers. You could basically name every single Jaguars pass catcher, and they are a positive regression candidate on this team. I mean, there is a lot to be desired left over for the Jaguars um, and their offense. Calvin Ridley's expected fantasy points per game, 14.7. Actual fantasy points per game, 10.2. I mean, Christian Kirk expected 13.2, actual 10.9. Zay Jones is the highest positive regression candidate in the NFL at the wide receiver position. His expected fantasy points per game is 14.1, and his actual points per game are seven. Because he dropped all those touchdowns in week two. Remember, he had like three in his hands, and he couldn't bring them in. I know, and and that's been a massive problem for the Jaguars and their offense in general. Just like Trav, like mental. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been, yeah, it's been weird. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence has been playing good. You know, like not bad, but like mental lapses. Like Calvin Ridley had a really bad game last week. Weird. Zay Jones dropping passes in the end zone. Like Christian Kirk's been the most consistent one after a pretty hot start from Zay Jones. So it's just been weird for them. But all three of these guys. The wide receivers are positive regression candidates, so I'm really paying attention to that in this matchup. Like, can Trevor Lawrence get going, um, and will the pass catcher start to regress back to that average or mean, Ayo. as we would call it on this episode? Uh, interesting enough, Christian Kirk's like he's been dynamite so far, and he's really good against man coverage. Like that's kind of been their designated man beater, and the Bills are a much tougher matchup for him. I mean, they're just like a zone heavier scheme. Oh, yeah. And if Zay Jones is a full go this week, I like Zay over Christian Kirk. Um, I know that'll be a hot topic of discussion. Like, which pass catcher do I start out of Calvin Ridley? And by the way, start Calvin Ridley again. You kind of have to start him. You spent the draft capital. Um, a couple drops, and you turn those into catches, and Calvin Ridley would have had a pretty good week. Um Trevor is kind of the bummer of this offense, though. And it's not his fault. I think it's just lapses in the offense, like you mentioned. But yet to throw for 300 yards. Only has two pass touchdowns over the last three outings. And Buffalo's defense allowed the second fewest fantasy points to fan, uh, quarterback position this year. So it's going to be a tough matchup. But hey, maybe some jet lag and maybe Trevor Lawrence balls out. And I can see why his line at underdog is 244. But I kind of like the bounce back for the entire pass catching offense um, and just passing offense in general for the Jaguars. He gets Cam Robinson back. Also, Tredavious White is out for the Bills. That Cam Robinson Robinson addition is something we should not be sleeping on. Uh, Cam Robinson's a very good left tackle. The guy that they have replacing him, Anton Harrison, currently ranked 46th out of 71 on PFF. Walker Little, 13th, who's the other tackle. I think Robinson's such a huge addition. We've seen this offense essentially struggle to get Travis Etienne going outside, like outside on the perimeter. He has the same percentage of runs to the outside that he did last season. He just hasn't been able to hit the home run because the blocking hasn't been as good. And Trevor Lawrence has a 3.5 ADOT right now. It's going to go up with a good left tackle in place. Do not sleep on the presence that Cam Robinson is going to bring to this offensive line. Yeah, I think it's going to be such a huge addition to have him back. And just Trevor, you know, I, like I said, I don't think he's been playing bad. This is a get right game, um, which I think will be competitive. I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to go out there and stomp the Bills by any means, but I think this is a good get right game for the pass catching game. And then sneaky play that I like this weekend. And you're probably going to start him anyways, because there's not a lot of good tight ends out there to start on a weekly basis. But I really like Evan Ingram. He's just like quietly been 
you know, very effective, but also like getting some good usage. I mean, he's number 10 among tight ends and yards per route run. He's also third in pass routes run total at the tight end position. Hasn't found the end zone yet, but he's basically had, he's had five catches every game this season thus far. They straight up scheme him design first read looks like they, they have plays. Yes. They call it and it's like, this ball is going to Evan Ingram. How many tight ends are getting that many looks? He, I forgot the stat. He's one of two tight ends. That's been in the top 10 in scoring every week so far this season. So yeah, pretty consistent. I think he's sneaky. Good play this week. And obviously, like I just said, you know, five receptions every game this year, underdogs got his higher lower at five. Exactly. Um, I think that's a good kind of line there to, to mess with. I, I, I think I'm going to go with the over there. Cause you know, with the bills offense, the and how higher they've been passing the ball, the higher, Keegan. Yes, the higher, <laughs> the higher, yes, the higher. Um, there it is. I, I think they have to keep up with the bills, you know, they have to pass the ball and they have to be successful passing the ball. So this is a good pass catching game for the Jacksonville Jaguars at not at home, I guess, away in London, but it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. You start digs, you start cook, uh, Gabe Davis kind of feels like a, he's a question mark play. He's actually playing above expected fantasy points. He just doesn't get a ton of usage. I mean, he's expected fantasy points per game. It's like 9.6 right now. And he's, actually producing a, a little bit higher at 11.5 but you know what gabe davis is so he's a healthy game like, davis is potent dude josh allen looks at him and throws him the ball in the end zone like it's it's just it's a, yep it's like just betting on josh allen when you have a healthy gabe davis it's like yeah i'll take it like that's that's and then you put him in your wide receiver wide receiver three wide receiver four you're happy with that exactly i like a lot of the options in here i i don't know if i'm playing the bills tight ends this week like they're just well, not getting the usage that you want Dalton Kincaid is starting to hurt did you see that yeah and Dalton Kincaid's usage he's like starting to out snap Dawson Knox as of last week and so Kincaid could be in for a larger role this week but he's kind of like a wait till you see it start for me uh, I just don't want to take that risk yet I feel like there's a little bit better tight end play out there but I love this matchup I think this one's gonna be really fun this feels like yeah. an air raid matchup I, I know I'm going to take it a little bit differently, but the Bills play super light. Milano's a light backer. Um, their other backer's pretty light, too. I forget his name right now, but if there was ever a game to get tra- uh, Tank Bigsby involved, um, I think his physicality could could really be used uh, to counter a, a lighter um, defense that, that the uh, that the, the Bills are going to employ. I think they're, they're going to need to be able to establish the run against the Bills because if you're just sitting there trying to pass against them, they're just their coverage looks are incredible. Now, the, the loss of Tredavious White definitely is going to be in play, but yeah, I agree. I think it's a fun matchup. It's kind of a shame it's on in London, and London games are kind of weird. A game that I will be watching, and hopefully that uh, Scott Hansen will be panning to a lot on red zone, is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Minnesota Vikings. In my notes, I have, oh, baby, dot, 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 dot. Uh, Patrick Mahomes in a dome versus this Vikings secondary. Talk about the perfect place for Mahomes and the Chiefs to rebound after a disappointing offensive outing week four against the Jets in MetLife. Jets at MetLife versus Vikings at U.S. Bank. Big difference in terms of the defense that you're managing, you're, you're going against in Patrick Mahomes' opportunity. So questions I'm looking at at this one. Will a second wide receiver for the Chiefs emerge? Will Brian Flores continue to sell out against the run, even if it means letting Mahomes cook? Will Minnesota give more touches to Cam Akers? So Vegas says the Chiefs favored by three and a half points on the road. It has this game with a 52 and a half point total, by far and away the highest of the day. This game projects to be a pass-happy, up-tempo game. That means as fantasy managers, 
we are very happy. Minnesota currently ranks fourth in adjusted pace. Kansas City currently ranks 20th. So Kansas City is running a bit slower to start the season, but they haven't really been pushed yet by a fast offense. But both teams rank in the top three in pass rate over expected, and Minnesota is third in no huddle rate. When the Chiefs have the ball, Mahomes and Kelsey, they're, they're going to be staples in your lineup. You're not benching Mahomes. You're not ben- benching Kelsey. But it's hard to ignore the role that Isaiah Pacheco has cleared for himself so far. According to Fantasy Points' Bell Cow Report, Pacheco currently has the 12th most valuable RB role in fantasy. Since getting gashed by DeAndre Swift in Week 2, Brian Flores' team has sold out aggressively to stop the run. They surrendered 3.4 fantasy points to the Chargers in Week 3 and 13.5 points to the Panthers in Week 4. So remember, DeAndre Swift's big breakout game. That was against the Vikings. Since then, they have not given up much on the ground. This has led to the Vikings surrendering a league-leading 63 fantasy points per game to wide receivers over the last two weeks. So the question is, do the Vikings commit to stopping the run and letting Mahomes pass for 400 yards, please, for Scott Fishbowl, I'm begging you, or do they let Pacheco go to work? (laughs) My guess, Pacheco has a good game. I just It's hard to imagine a defensive coordinator, Keegan, choosing to live and die by Patrick Mahomes beating them. That just doesn't, that doesn't make much sense. So if Flores does take that approach and lets Mahomes cook, we're going to need a secondary wide receiver to emerge. The Vikings have just hemorrhaged points to wide receivers. If I had to pick, I'm picking Rishi Rice. So this is a rookie with an expanding role who's seen his snaps uptick each week. You're probably desperate if you're throwing Rice in your lineup, but I'm throwing him out there. At this point, I'm not starting Sky Moore. I'm good. I'm, I'm not playing that game. I don't think he's hashtag good at football. When the Vikings have the ball, it'll be interesting to see if Kirk Cousins and co. are able to bounce back against the Chiefs defense that, you know, Keegan has been surprisingly pretty stingy for fantasy points at 23-3. So outside of Cousins, Jefferson, and Hawkinson, the question is, can we start anyone else in this game for the Vikings? So the usage for Madison last week was encouraging, even with Akers stepping into Ty Chandler's role. After a tough couple weeks to start the year, Madison's bounced back to being a pretty much who we thought he'd be, which is not that efficient, but has a good role. I personally wouldn't start him in this one. The Chiefs have been pretty good against running backs, but the usage will most likely be there. He's a fringe RB2 in this matchup, in my opinion. You could play him in a flex if you're in a pinch. I think the real question here, is Jordan Addison playable? He clearly is the third wide receiver right now on this team, and... That doesn't even count TJ Hawkinson because TJ Hawkinson is the number two target in this offense. He's running behind KJ Osborne in pretty much every game, no, no, actually every game this season, even though Osborne continues to be pretty ineffective. Osborne doesn't have a very good yards per outrun, and neither does Jordan Addison, which is a little concerning. Addison currently is the wide receiver 50 on wide receiver 67 expected usage. So not great, not a great role. He's been able to hit home on some deep touchdowns, which is nice. And the one silver lining here is Addison is the preferred deep option and deep ball specialist for this offense. And the Kansas City Chiefs have actually seen the third most deep throw attempts of any defense through four weeks. So the deep shots, they're there. The the Chiefs are giving them up. Whether or not they hit home is the question of whether or not you should start Jordan Addison. And that's a tough spot to be in if you're banking on a big touchdown. So one nugget that I found interesting that has nothing to do with any of this, but I just found super fascinating Patrick Mahomes leads the league in rushing yards off of scrambles. He is also, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, more than all the rushing quarterbacks. And he's also, thir- he also has the third most rushing yards 
of any QB in the league through the first four weeks of the season. I didn't have that on my bingo card, Keegan. So points, points. I did not either. Points. That is, uh, it's fun. Right? I, I was not aware of that stuff. Yeah, points, points, points. The Chiefs' defense is actually pretty good. So I don't know. I I think the I think the Minnesota offense bounces back in a big way at home in a dome. We pulled this up last year. Kirk Cousins. Road and away splits are pretty crazy. I think last year he averaged 20 points per game at home, 16 points on the road. I just feel like you just got to fire up Addison, even if you don't. You got bye weeks. You drafted him in the seventh or eighth round. You just got to put him out there in this one and hope for the best. So big, fun matchup. I'm excited. I didn't even talk about Jefferson. Jefferson's going to eat. Okay. This is exactly why I pulled this up because I wanted to talk about this because I feel like we, we're not talking about it, which is totally fine. You don't need to talk about Justin Jefferson. It's like you start him and you don't think twice about it, right? Look at this guy's production this year. I mean, no touchdowns the first two weeks and he still drops back-to-back 24-point games in PPR. Then scores a touchdown, still puts up 149 yards, 27 points. Finally, oh, he doesn't go for 100 yards, scores two touchdowns. Puts up 26 and a half points. He is just quietly dominating fantasy football. And, and we're not really talking about it. So I, I honestly just wanted to pull this up and sh- like highlight Justin Jefferson and be like, this is incredible. I, I feel like we're just quietly appreciating it. So I wanted to like make a point. To say, talk hey, about this it. is absolutely insane. I mean, the guy's doing the Christian McCaffrey, but it's a wide receiver. So yeah, start, start your studs. Don't overthink it. Hawkinson's a great play. Kelsey. Um, if there was ever a game for Mahomes to morph back into you know you know destroyer of worlds i am death shout out oppenheimer uh this is the week for him uh keegan your next matchup that you have here covered yes so the next matchup that i'd like to talk about is the eagles and the rams game actually um this is kind of another one of my favorite matchups for the weekend here. I, I think this one's going to produce a ton of good fantasy points. So. Uh, so right now, current odds um, for Eagles versus the Rams. We are in SoFi. Uh, weather should be good. Uh, we're basically in a dome, kind of a kind dome. Of. I don't we'll, know. We'll call them, a they're, little, they're dome bros. We'll call them that. You know, it's it's a big old glass house, is you know. Um, but implied total right now, glass fifty house. points for over under uh, Eagles favored by four and a half points. That's gone up. That's um, gone way up. Oh my goodness! That yeah, that's jumped. Yes, yeah. So I, <laughs> this is gonna be fun. It's a great I, game. <laughs> I feel like there's a ton of little nuggets to touch on here, but first, you know, before I get in there, uh, pace wise, you know, Philadelphia 28th in adjusted pace, um, third in place per game though. And they're also 15th in pass rate over expected LA is maintaining, um, their spot at kind of the top of the league is like a driving pace team. They're 10th in adjusted plays, adjusted pace. They're first in place per game. They're also seventh in pass rate over expected. The, the Los Angeles Rams have been a very fun fantasy team this so year. Good. That's for sure. Puka, Kieran, it's been great. Kyron. I don't know as of now if Cooper Cup will play. He practiced in limited fashion this week. We could maybe twice. Yeah, yes, we could an, maybe I think he was full participant. See um, but I don't Cooper I don't Cup know. back this week. I don't know. Which the biggest question regarding that is what happens to Puka Nakua's usage and how does Cooper Cup play coming off of injury? I think that is the biggest question of the weekend for me personally in terms of fantasy. With Puka, he's dominating, right? I mean, the guy has been lights out. And 
interesting enough, actually, looking at his expected fantasy points based off usage, his expected fantasy points per game is 22. So there's three. There's a little positive regression potential for Puka, which seems insane, but obviously it's because he's not finding the end zone. His role and his usage, I mean, he's breaking records you know, through the first four weeks of football. Tutu Atwell has also been extremely valuable in fantasy. He's somebody who's also due for positive regression. Is, Actual yeah. fantasy points per game, 11.7. Expected fantasy points a game, 16.6. I mean, yeah. this team has been amazing in utilizing, you know, both their wide receivers. So if Cooper Cup is back this week, what happens to that? You know, where do we go from here? There's been a lot of talk about, well, Puka's not Cooper Cup. Tutu Atwell's Cooper Cup. Puka is in the Robert Woods role. I just want to see how it shakes out. I think that's one of the most interesting things for me to see. Um, speaking of their wide receivers, Philadelphia is sixth in the league and fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position right now. They're coming off a game where you know Sam Howell and co. put up 31 points on the, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, like it's definitely something to worth monitoring that there might be not. It's definitely not the same defense as last year, right? But it's like, how will these wide receivers stack up? In this matchup right now, here's uh, just looking at some underdog higher lowers here. Puka right now, no yardage, but just a touchdown. Same with Tutu um, and Higby. I'm sure this will update before the week. Stafford's about 276 passing yards. Um, He's been regularly throwing around the 300 range. So I'd expect Stafford to kind of, you know, play his game. I don't know if he's like a super viable fantasy starter this week. uh, Just because, you know, he'll throw for 300 yards and maybe one touchdown and that might be it. Um, but Philadelphia's also allowed the fifth most receptions to tight ends, sixth most yards, and second most um, tight end touchdowns. Like, this is a good matchup for pass catchers of the Rams. And, you know, with this game script, with the totals implied, you know, you look back at the Philadelphia side, and it's like, okay, this is finally the Jalen Hurts boom week. I think Jalen Hurts managers, me included, have been slightly disappointed. You spent some high draft capital on them. You're patiently waiting for him to blow up and – this kind of feels like the week that we get that from the Eagles. Uh, last week, the Rams allowed Anthony Richardson to go for fantasy QB4. He went for 56 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Also had a decent day passing for we sure. Got home. So, we got home, baby. Exactly. So I really like just this matchup fantasy-wise for both sides of the ball. Um, some other regression candidates here. A.J. Brown. I mean, he's, he's only putting up his points per game, half PPR is 17 points, and his expected fantasy points per game is about 22 yeah. right now. So to think that there's positive aggression room for A.J. Brown is pretty impressive, to be honest. Like, they're using him a lot, and he's obviously the focal point of the passing offense this year where um, Devontae Smith's kind of, like, taking a back seat to it. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, Devontae Smith's playing a little bit above expected at 12 almost 13 points per game in fantasy and his expected is about 11.9. So not much there. He's kind of scoring exactly what he's expected to score. Um, But the guy who I think, again, is going to go off, I think the DeAndre Swift train continues again this week. Now he's playing slightly above expectation based off points, but I just love this matchup for him. I think Swift is just going to have another really good week again and it's hard it's hard to stop a running back running behind this offensive offensive line line. they drive a truck through some and the way that they're just clearing space it it feels almost inevitable that 
whoever's running the ball behind the Eagles is going to see success. Um, there's a ton to like in this matchup. Uh, there's plenty of valuable fantasy starters like all across every lineup, like both Rams and the Eagles. You know, DeAndre Swift has been one of the best fantasy players, like just based off value. And the Rams are 24th in defensive rush DVOA. So it, it looks like another great matchup for Swift. But I love Hurts in this too. Like this, give me that all day. One and a half passing touchdowns, give me that all day. I think Swift gets busy. Um, you could even say Dallas Goddard is another valuable start in this offense. I mean, you they've Rams has surrendered eighth most points to fantasy tight ends this year. And Goddard has I'm been going a back lot to the of chatter. Well. As, yeah, there's been a squeaky wheel. I know. We're going to get Goddard involved. We're going to get Goddard involved. I don't, I don't Dude, know. Sean, I literally have in my notes, it says, we'll be watching the we have to get him more involved chatter yeah, this weekend. I mean, and he's scoreless this year, but this is a good opportunity. He's been bad, dude. He's been like worse than Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts gets all the attention because he's Kyle Pitts. But like Goddard's been all these fifth round, all these middle round tight ends have been so bad. Waller, his expected Goddard. fantasy usage right it's now, terrible, based off probably. half PPR points, is seven point five, and that's saying a lot considering he's getting schemed up passes. But his actual fantasy points per game three point eight. It's hard to be a it's good not tight pretty. end when you when your team doesn't throw the ball in the red zone. They run it like that's that's their identity. It's hard. It's where tight ends are supposed to hit, get their points is touchdowns. I don't, I don't know, man. It's tough for Goddard. It's definitely not pretty, but uh, Sean, I know I just spewed a bunch of stuff. Basically, all I wanted to summarize in this is great fantasy matchup, friendly for both sides. Um, also, yeah. Kieran Williams, you kind of have to start him. His usage is just so promising. So like, I'm not saying Kieran Williams is going to start this year, but until his usage chains, he's kind of like a top 12 running play back him. play for me. Even in a tough you, matchup. You just have to play him. Yeah, even in a tough matchup because the Eagles have essentially created a pass funnel where their front seven is elite is stopping the run and their you know coverage unit is just kind of conceding passes and if they can keep Matt Stafford upright in this game because the the O line for the Rams is already a little rickety as it is but if they could give him a good protection and he was already getting killed at the end of that Colts game right and he was dealing with a hip pointer or some issue he may have had they can keep him upright big games for Puka I think Tutu could have a big game. You know, the question is, Cooper Cup, does he play? If Cooper Cup plays, ironically, I think the guy who is hurt the most is is Kieran, Kyron Williams. I think his crazy target percentage is going to drop, and a lot of those are going to be redistributed to Cooper Cup. Um, I, I am very fascinated to see if he plays this week. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I think the Rams are going to try and get greedy and play him. They're 2-2. Two and two, Why not? But... um. It's a it's gonna be a great game, super high score, and I am pumped for it. Um yeah. yeah. It's it's I like that you pointed that out about Kieran Williams and like sneaky person to have Cooper Cup like effects because he's you know, he's second in targets at the running back position and he's second in expected fantasy points only behind Christian McCaffrey right now. Like that's why I was saying like his usage is so promising. You do have to start him again, but it's a good call out on Cooper Cup affecting maybe not two two. I don't really think he's going to affect Puka. I think they can coexist. If Cooper Cup plays this week, I will be starting Cooper and Puka in the same lineup. <laughs> I, just, people are going to be doing just it. Just because. Like, people are going to be doing not? it. Why um, not? People are definitely yeah, going to be doing it. Anything else, Sean, before no. we go on to the next one? The, the next matchup I've got here is the Texans at the Falcons. Uh, I could not escape this podcast without me talking about Arthur Smith. Um, 
Uh, the suddenly red-hot Houston Texans are traveling to Atlanta to take on a desperate Falcon squad helmed by uh, he who must not be named. Uh, the big question in this one for me, can C.J. Stroud continue his early career brilliance against a surprisingly solid Falcons defense? You know, Other things that I'll be taking a look at, will this be Desmond Ritter's last game as the Falcons starter? I don't know. Probably not. But if you know he completely face, face plants at home, they lose three in a row. It could be could be time to pull a cord. And uh, will Kyle Pitts and Drake London continue to flounder for fantasy managers? So Vegas has the Falcons as one and a half point home favorites with a forty and a half point total. This game opened at forty five and it's dropped all the way down uh, to forty one and a half. The Texans have actually been able to score a decent amount of points this season. Uh, I think this has a lot to do with kind of the setup and, and really just the Falcons in general. So this game projects to be relatively fast pace, but run heavy. I had to double check that Keegan in the notes when I was looking at the pace stuff, like how could a game be, how can teams be super fast pace, but, but be super run heavy. If you look at it, Houston currently has the fifth fastest adjusted pace, Atlanta, the ninth, but Houston has the 19th ranked pass rate over expected and Atlanta comes in dead last at 30th. So, be careful, folks. We may have an establishment bowl on our hands here. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out here. Houston has had a bunch of out-of-nowhere fantasy stars through the first four weeks of the season. We're looking at UCJ Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. And the question needs to be asked, should we be starting them every week no matter what, or are we nervous about this matchup against the Falcons? Because I think we might need to be a little nervous because the Falcons have been about average and surrendering around 17 points per game to QBs this year. They've been super stingy against running backs, surrendering, I think, around 12 points to the position, which is top three. They've been a top 10 pass unit against wide receivers. They've actually been a bit bad against tight ends. They've been giving up close to 20 points per game to the tight end position this season. With a lower point total, a pretty solid Falcons 20 defense. 20 points per 20, game to the tight end position points, is crazy. Yeah, with a lower point total, a solid defense, and their backs against the wall... It really may be tough sledding this week for CJ, Nico, Damian, and Tank. But, you know, the fact of the matter is this game is played indoors. The Texans could be getting some of their offensive linemen back, which is a plus. I'm a little nervous about whoever gets AJ Terrell's shadow coverage. We saw him pretty much erase Calvin Ridley last week. If I had to guess, he's going to shadow Nico Collins at the X. But Tank Dell plays outside wide receiver, so I, I just... I don't know who Terrell is going to shadow, but whoever he shadows is going to be tough. So maybe do some research there. My guess is Nico, and it could be a tough week for Nico. I think if you're playing Damian this week, you're going to need a TD, but his role is great. He's locked in for 15, 18 touches a week. It's more of like how well can his offensive line play. Uh, this is a sneaky good matchup for Dalton Schultz. So I highlighted it, 20 fantasy points per game to the tight end position. I'm probably starting CJ Stroud pretty confidently. He's been great. I'm back and forth on Tank and Nico. It's hard to bench Nico after he had a 35-point PPR game last week. I expect Tank to have a nice day. Whoever gets shadowed by Terrell, I'm probably starting him, honestly. And, um, dude, this is shaping up to be a wet dream matchup for Arthur Smith here. Houston is a top-five defense in limiting QB and wide receiver points, but is a bottom-five defense against running backs in fantasy. Welcome to Bijan Robinson week. The Houston Texans have surrendered the ninth most yards before contact per attempt, the 11th most yards after contact per attempt, the seventh most missed tackles per attempt, the fourth worst stuff rate, the highest rushing TD rate, 
and the seventh highest explosive run rate. This is the B. John Robinson eruption spot. You hear your folks. So, of course, when I'm predicting that means three touchdowns for Tyler Ogier, right, Keegan? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be starting London in this one, considering how stingy the Texans defense has been. And just, I don't know. I, I've been so critical about Arthur Smith's usage of Drake London, his route chart, even in the good game he had. It's like really difficult one side of the field stuff. They don't really get him involved Look over the middle of the field. Look at this projection for... Drake London, dude, sad. 42 and a half. That's sad, dude. I, it is sad. I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm starting London. I don't think you can start London if Kyle Pitts is also healthy. It's pretty clear London was most usable last year where Kyle Pitts was hurt and everything was funneled to London. As for Pitts, I don't know, man. If you like pain, sure, go for it. Play uh, Kyle Pitts. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, his underlying stats suggest that, you know, out of all the expected fantasy points um, regression candidates – Kyle Pitts is the biggest difference between his actual output and his his expected output. It, like it's pretty substantial. Um, My favorite trend in fantasy football analyst world right now on Twitter is uh, Kyle Pitts only exists to reinforce the fake stats that fantasy football analysts have come up with to cope with their drafting of players who just don't get used. Yeah, I mean, every, here is everything obviously is good. another chart. Everything here. is good. Look at him; he's at the very top. It's all. But just nothing happens. Basically just a high value target share for tight ends for those watching the video. It's just like where is Kyle Pitts ranking? Like he is always going to be an alien on these charts that measure usage and value of his targets he, and stuff. He might but just it's not just be, so funny. Like he might not be good. Um <laughs> No, he's good. Don't do that. I don't at some point don't, you gotta make it happen. We're not doing that. Um I wouldn't play Drake London. I will say this is even sadder than the Drake London uh, yards projection. Though. Was Johnu's higher? Because that'd make me. Do you even have a Johnu prop? They need to have Johnu prop. He's a starting oh, tight end. Oh, it is. Yeah, he's a starting tight end. Um, yeah, have fun. Start Bijan. Maybe in a pinch. Start Algier. That's only if they're winning. But that, that's where I'm at with that game. Arthur Smith's gonna have fun. I think the Falcons win this game. Actually, I think they're gonna be establish the run. Uh, they have the exact type of defense that Arthur Smith can exploit, and I think they can get in a positive game script and win this game. So I, I like the Falcons in this one. Is it is it weird to think Which that this might be CJ Stroud's like toughest test yet, like defensively? I I kind of get that vibe from this game a little bit. You think indoors we're going to get a I shootout? I, I miss the Matt Ryan Julio Jones shootout days, but Arthur Smith has grounded a perfect dome, bro. Matchup, but Keegan, what is uh, what is your last matchup you're covering here today? Okay, so the last one we're going to talk about is the Giants versus the Dolphins. Um, Dolphins coming off a uh, pretty brutal beatdown from the AFC East rival Buffalo Bills and the Giants, who have I could say like outside of the Bears had maybe one of the most disappointing starts to the NFL season thus far. Um, The Giants just have not played up to what people expected this week uh this year but you've got the giants traveling to miami uh current total on action network is over 47 and a half or under 47 and a half you've got the dolphins favored by four and a half points um i mean oh my gosh no this is way different now sorry i was looking at the open 12 and a half wow 12 and a half. That's pretty high. I mean, I was looking at the open. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Giants are going to be down three starting offensive linemen again for the third week in a row. They can't they can't protect this guy. They cannot protect Danny Dimes. He's running for his life out there. It's it's terrible. Wow. I did not realize that. I was looking at that. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> Four and a half. That doesn't sound right. But yeah, 12 and a half. That sounds about more right. Um, 
some things here just uh, regarding pace for these two teams. Let me switch over my tabs. Um, so looking at pace for this matchup, Miami 14th in adjusted pace. Um, and then the Giants are 19th in adjusted pace, 19th in place per games for Miami. Here, I'm going to go over here, scroll over so you can see this. Miami right here. Um, and 12th in pass rate over expected. The Giants 14th in place per game, 14th in pass rate over expected. Not the slowest matchup, not the fastest matchup. Um, this will be very interesting to me because we have, you know, there were some massive positive regression candidates for the uh, Jaguars pass catching core. The biggest negative regression candidates um, lie within the Miami Dolphins running backs. Efficiency. What those Efficiency, two have baby. been able to do on their touches is, it's in, it's been insane. I mean, if you go and take a look at their expected fantasy points data, I mean, Raheem Mostert's expected fantasy points a game is 13.8, and he's putting up 21 points a game in half PPR right now. Devon A-Chain, 11.8 expected fantasy points a game, and he's putting up 25.4 points a game. I mean, we are witnessing currently one of the biggest outlier seasons at the running back position for Devon A-Chain. A-Chain, I'll never get the that The artist formerly known um, as Devon A-Chain. Exactly, correct. Um, and Raheem Mostert as well has just been so good and so efficient in his spots. I mean, they're both far outpacing their expected fantasy points production. Um, so you could call these both negative regression candidates, but I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Uh, on the other side of the ball, do we know if Saquon's going to play this week yet? I'm not sure. I'm not getting you know, a ton of good vibes from that. As of right now, he's still a question mark. He got a limited practice on Wednesday, but I was hoping I'd know more by the time we recorded, but I can't exactly say that I do know much more than I did yesterday. Um Daniel Jones coming to this matchup is, you know, we've got left tackle it's Andrew Thomas watch. with the hamstring injury, battling injuries. No Saquon makes this offense a lot more one-dimensional. He was sacked 10 times last week. Um, Brutal. You know, before we get into the other fantasy players, Miami is a sneaky, sneaky good fantasy uh, defense start this weekend. Um, oh, purely yeah. off sack percentage. Purely off that. Um, because... You know, if Saquon was in this matchup, I'd tell you all about how Miami's already given up four touchdowns to opposing running backs, and they're allowing nearly, nearly 150 yards rushing per game. I can't honestly and earnestly advise you to start Matt Breida in this matchup, maybe as a flex play. I would love to tell you that Saquon's going to smash here, but I can't. However, Miami, um, especially after last week's game against uh, Buffalo, they definitely look like a good fantasy-friendly matchup for the quarterback position. I mean, they've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to the position this year. Maybe, just maybe, we have a get-right spot for Daniel Jones this week. Um, the problem with Daniel Jones and the rest of their team with no Saquon is the wide receiver core is a mess in fantasy land. You don't know who to start. Uh, Darius Slayton is probably the best usage play. Um, if you just want to chase the guy that's going to be used the most, involved the most. And after that, you know, Isaiah Hodgins and Jalen Hyatt, they're all kind of mysteries. Paris Campbell, you could maybe talk yourself into a deep, deep league play, but the wide receiver core is really hard to predict. Um, my biggest question for this is, will Darren Waller emerge as a fantasy tight end one this week? Like, will it finally happen? One of the problems that you highlighted, Sean, um, kind of on our Twitter and we've talked about is 
because of the offensive line being banged up and just because of Daniel Jones not having a lot of time, I mean, they're putting Darren Waller at the line of scrimmage and like he's just making chipping. him yeah, chip. He's like not even he's and, like on every route. And with their offense, like kind of, you know, when Daniel Jones is trying to get out to his first week, quick first yeah. read, quick pass play, like that should be Darren Waller. But Darren Waller doesn't have time to get out to and run a route if he has to chip block it's every time to give him it's a nightmare. some time. So it's an it's the worst possible situation you could imagine for a fantasy tight end like Darren Waller, who is so good, and he's just not getting the role that we would like him to. So there's going to be – that's the biggest thing I'll be watching so. this week. I mean, Dolphins have allowed the ninth most points to the tight end position this year, and but there's a I problem with his I usage and where Darren Waller's lining it. I need it. We need Waller. I would love a Waller touchdown. I just love it. Let's get the, but the Giants don't score touchdowns because their offense is so bad right now. They're disjointed. It's a mess. I would love a Waller touchdown, though. Exactly. Uh, and typically, we like to you know highlight fantasy matchups that are friendly on both sides. Right now, this one feels a little bit one-sided. But as I mentioned, this could be a get-right spot for Daniel Jones. Miami's definitely, you know, they're not the best defense. They're not the worst. I feel like he might get sacks a couple times. But there's potential for Daniel Jones to get a little busy on the ground and, you know, put up some points uh, just maybe from his legs and hopefully get Darren Waller involved on the flip side of it. This looks like a great matchup for Tua and the way that they run their offense. I mean, giants are blitzing at like a league high rate at third most in the league right now. And the problem with that is they're dead last in pressure rate and they're second to last in QB sacks on the year. This is kind of a perfect recipe for this Mike McDaniel quick release offense. Like if you're going to blitz the Dolphins and, you know, leave some extra options out there, this looks good for the Miami pass catchers. And the the Cowboys, I mean, the Giants defense has no chance, dude. This is no chance. Like this, (laughs) I highlighted like what a big negative regression candidate that these two are. But I mean, this looks like a, a basically dream matchup if you're a Miami Dolphins fantasy owner. I also like Tua this week. Like Tua's kind of been a fringe fantasy starter. Um, I think he's kind of a good, uh, valuable fantasy start this weekend. I'll pull up some underdog slips for you guys here as well, too, just going over the Dolphins. Um, Tua right now, higher lower set at 283 passing yards. I mean, that's two and a half Tyreek. Uh, yeah. The only right fear there. is, though, like they go up crazy big and then it's like just running the ball. It's the only fear with, with that, he, you know. And you know who that's great for? Mostert. I mean, like that's still great for Boaster and it's still decent for uh, HN. Uh, although we did see him get kind of a lot of the run last when week losing. when they went down. Yeah. But yeah. So maybe some Boaster action, but I mean, just look at these projections for HM right here. I mean, 49 and a half rushing yards. He can hit that in one play. This is what's so fun about the Miami offense, right? Is like 48 and a half rushing yards. Raheem could hit that in one play. One play. HN, 49 and a half, one play. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Dolphins owner, start him this week. This is such a friendly matchup for them. Oh, they're both just locked all in. across the board. You could start both of them. If you had HN and Mostert, you could play both of them this week. I would do it. One of, I would one do of them's going to score mean, 30, so you're just like hoping the other one scores 10, and you're good. Isn't that so funny in fantasy? Like, if you have two players, one of them gets five points, and the other one gets 36, and, you know, at the position, you're like, oh, I got 41 points for my running back position, but you're upset because you only got five points from one It's all about one It's player. all about one lineup, baby. And we just got a text from Aiden here. 
Aiden just said, I'm so sad I'm not on the pod right now. That's uh, from, from Aiden Holler. <laughs> that Ooh. is such a football guy move to be like eight beers deep in Austin, Texas, getting ready to go to a festival and be like, I'm so I'm sad that I'm not about on the Cole, fantasy podcast. I'm not talking about Cole Komet's touchdown tonight. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> It was a big night for Sam Howell and Justin Fields. That's a big night for Aiden Holler. So it's a, he's probably all tuckered yes. out from watching that. Um, before we go on to your last matchup, Sean, I'm just going to show some uh, Giants. I'm done. Uh, I, I'm no more matchups for right me. Now. This is it. This is the last matchup covered. Oh, okay. I didn't realize we were on the last one here. Um, yeah, any thoughts on this matchup, Sean? Anything you're um, exclusively looking out for? If the Giants can somehow score, uh, this game is going to be explosive for points. Um, I just, if they can't score, it's going to be hard. Like, I mean, we saw, look, we we saw them put up 70 on a team so and keep scoring. So, like, I should probably, but a lot of it wasn't passing. A lot of it was A-Chan and Mostert, the crazy long runs. So, I can't say for certain, but I mean, Mostert fumbled twice last week and that kind of is, he's the reason they lost that game. So it'd be interesting to see how he bounces back. HN is like locked in top eight play right now. I, yeah, he's going to be, he, he, I, you know, it sounds crazy. He's going to finish in the top three this year. Like it just kind of has that feeling. It feels like CJ 2K. Like he just feels like he's going to break the slate for fantasy and be a league winner. That would be so cool. Oh, one more thing for the Giants I'm watching, and this is so not even pertaining to the game, but I mentioned that the wide receivers are a crapshoot. I would love to see Wondell Robinson. Oh, he's getting like, featured, baby. Take over. He's getting featured. I would love, love, love to see that. I feel like that's still, and and maybe you scooped him up this week. I feel like he was maybe a, a hot covered uh, it. waiver we wire covered pickup. We covered it on the wire like, episode. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out on Wandale. I, I feel like if there is a one guy that has the most talent in the pass catching corpse, it's Wandale. Go pick him um, up. Just pure skill. Him and Jalen Hyatt. They're going to start playing the young guys as they start to lose. And then when they get their center, their guard, and their tackle back, the offense is going to look so much more functional. Even with Saquon, it's it's going to be so much better. But it's dark. The Bills and the the Bills and the Dolphins back to back is a dark place for this team. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are kind of early out on Daniel Jones. Like, I'm not seeing fair. him get dropped in some leagues I'm doing, and I'm Stop like, it. I would not do that. People, you know? It's the same people that there are out are very on few Justin people Fields. That have... It's the same people that are out on Justin Fields for after three weeks. It's just like, this is a long season, people. I don't know who needs to know this. They play 17 games. You, you draft these guys later on in the draft. They're going to have bumps in the road, all right? Just deal with it. Daniel Jones is going to be fine later on in the season. The guy's scramble rate, his rushing stuff is ridiculous, okay? So... I don't know what to tell you. Hopefully you had a contingency plan. Hopefully Daniel Jones wasn't your only answer at quarterback. Here's kind of where he's uh, at for the rest of the year, too. I mean, Miami, this is not a bad matchup for him. Buffalo could be tough, but Washington's a good matchup. New York's been bad against quarterbacks. Uh, Las Vegas is a good matchup. Washington again. New England. I mean, there's good matchups you know, on the schedule for the Giants. Like, I would not be dropping – Daniel Jones and I would actually be inquiring about Saquon Barkley like go inquire about Darren Waller as some potential buy low candidates like yeah. don't don't bail on the Giants yet don't bail on him yet but in this game uh, yeah you could start Daniel Jones we're starting him in we need to make the decision between him and Stroud and Scott Fishbowl but He's a, he's a decent start. Man, that's where we're at already. We're week five, and we're talking about our Scott Fishbowl lineups if we start C.J. Stroud or Danny It's a Dimes, good place baby. to be because we got that's Mahomes fantasy. as our other quarterback, but Keegan, thank you for hopping on. This was great talking ball. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Aiden, we miss you, man. We're excited to have you back next week. 
And uh, before we jump, Keegan, you got anything to say to listeners? Listeners, if you're here and you're watching, more interaction. Let us know what you like to see. We're switching content up. We're changing the way we present things. We're trying to add in more visual aids. Tell us what you enjoy. Tell us what you don't enjoy. If I said something stupid, let me know. Just don't be too mean. If, if we said mean. something you liked, be or if there's a piece of <laughs> if there was a piece of data that you found valuable, like let us know. We we want to make this for you. I mean, we already talk about fantasy amongst ourselves. Like we're making this for the listeners. So let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. And if there's something that we're not doing that you want to see, let us know that too. Wow, really, really nice messaging, Keegan. You got me feeling inspired. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, until next time.